0: LinkedIn strongly prefer native content so LinkedIn is a jealous lover they want people to spend all of their time on the platform and so when you post a YouTube link you're directing people off the platform and your posts aren't going to perform as well so they want you to upload your post or your uh, video directly to the site
1: let's go Hello and welcome to the Brand New You Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you build credibility in your career. I'm your host, Ryan Roten, and today I am with Sarah Johnston, also known as the Briefcase Coach, in a very beautiful, sunny, San Diego Harbor, I guess is what we would call this. We're both attending the Career Thought Leaders Conference. And for those of you who don't know Sarah, she's a top-rated job search strategist and interview coach for Higher achievers. She specializes in executive resumes and LinkedIn branding, and she was the creator of the LinkedIn job search series, Curated Career Conversations. She was also recently named a top follow on LinkedIn for 2019 by Jobscan. Sarah, welcome to the Brand New You
0: Show. Thanks so much for having me.
1: So you are a listener of the show, so you know the very first question is on its way, which is... If you could vacation, and I don't think we can say this place because we're here. True. I'm waiting for a seagull, by the way, to either visit us or make some noise. But if you could vacation in only one place, where would you go? Argentina. Wow, that was fast.
0: Yeah, I, I went to Argentina last year with my husband. He, he went for a conference, and I'll tell you, it was beautiful. And you can do so much for so little there. For 30 bucks, you can get a five-course meal and a private winery tour. It was great.
1: Wow, for 30 bucks here? you're not getting much more than a drink and an appetizer.
0: Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful place
1: though where I'm actually looking over your shoulder at people paddle behind you.
0: I want to do that tomorrow.
1: So I'm still hoping the seagulls stay away from us. But anyway, um, one of the reasons I wanted to reach out and talk to you is because you're, you're not only known in the career space and you're obviously a great career coach, but you've also built a business from the ground up. And that's no small feat. You've been doing this for a long time, 10 years, right?
0: No, two.
1: Two years. Two. Even better.
0: Yeah, I um, was a recruiter before this Okay, and loved recruiting. It was a great career for me, but um, I was moving around for my husband's job every couple of years uh-huh. and um, just decided it was time for me to start something for myself and have always loved entrepreneurship and have tried several side hustles and side gigs over the last 10 years. And this just really fit with my skill set. I love helping job seekers and um, I love helping people be their best version of themselves. So I'm I'm only two years in.
1: That's amazing. I didn't, I, for some reason that you have just feel like you've been doing this forever.
0: Oh, well, thank you. But it's
1: probably because you're so good at it. So... Now I don't have to jog your memory as much. <laughs> I don't have to make you think back 10 years, but let's go back two years and talk about how, I mean, how did you get your business started? That's like one of the hardest things I think for people to do is to A, make the decision they're going to do it and then B, to actually like start. So what, what was that like for you?
0: Yeah, you know, I um, was recruiting and started doing it as a side hustle first. Okay. And people would always ask me to write their resume or help them get ready for an interview. And so it was something I felt comfortable with. And then um, just there was a point in my life where I was paying for two kids in daycare yeah. and I didn't have any flexibility or control over my schedule. Okay. And, you know, I did the math and said, heck, this is the time if I'm going to start a business, this is the time to do it. And so um decided to hang a shingle. And I think the hardest part was actually saying I was going to do it and committing to it. Really? Yeah. And then from there, you know, I put together a business plan, but as, um, many people say where I thought I would grow and where I thought my business would go is different than it actually is now two years into it. And I'm sure it will constantly evolve. Yeah. And how I'm, Getting clients is also really different than I thought that I would as well.
1: Very interesting. So tell me about like some of your initial challenges. So like you, you're going to hang the shingle and then like what's one of the biggest things that you, that you faced that you didn't actually think about or maybe that you were thinking about and you thought, how am I going to ever, ever get over this thing?
0: Yeah. So I actually know a lot of people in real life. I've lived in a lot of places (laughs) and I I have a pretty large personal network. And so I thought, you know what? I'm just going to do this and tell my friends that I'm doing it.
1: Okay. Smart.
0: And then they'll want to work with me. Oh, okay. And it didn't work out that way.
1: It didn't work out that way. Okay. So when people say go to your network first, that advice did not work for you.
0: Yeah, and I think part of it was one I had to prove myself to them. Like they'd seen me as a recruiter and this okay. was another opportunity or role and so there was there's some social proof there that needed to happen. And two, now 2 years later I've realized I'm kind of a bleeding heart and when a friend wants me to help them, I want to help them. Uh-huh. And it's hard for me to have friends as clients. So right. my friends aren't necessarily my target audience.
1: Yeah. When money gets involved, um, friendships take a different position. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause I followed that. I, I followed that same advice too. And as soon as your friend owes you money, yeah, like, like you can no longer drink beer with them. Know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I can't, dude, I can't buy a beer for you. You already owe me money. You should be buying me lots of beers. So I, I totally get that. So if, you know that's that's like the way you thought you would start to get leads. Mm-hmm. How did you end up getting to the point where you were getting some leads? Like, what, what were some of the things that you gave a shot or you tried?
0: Yeah. So one of the first things that I did was I said, "Okay, Google. Everybody's on Google." So. Everybody is on Google. Yeah, everybody uses it, and um, Google Ads are fairly inexpensive. So I think like month two or month three in business, I purchased a hundred and twenty-five dollars worth of Google Ads. Which was a big Seems investment reasonable. for me starting off in business when I wasn't really making much money at that point. Okay. Um, and that ad brought me one client. Nice. It was not a good client. <laughs> and I... I to, you know, my husband is incredibly supportive and he has always been, but i really felt bad about reporting those numbers <laughs> that month of how things went.
1: Yeah, I could imagine. I personally have not tried Google ads myself um, simply because I've, I've heard stories like yours. Yeah. You know, it's like a Google ad is like trying to cast a very wide net to, to see what comes up. And usually what comes up is not the best fish.
0: And that all. was what happened to me. It wasn't a target client. And so then I started a Facebook group. And invited all my friends and got a lot of friends to join. Okay, but for me to attract clients, I realized I needed to spend money on Facebook ads. And, okay. you know, again, I'm run a tight ship and just didn't want to spend. And I know a lot of people who grow their business doing ad spends, targeted ads on Facebook. But I realized that that wasn't for me. That's not how I wanted to grow my business.
1: All right, so let's start, let's let's fast forward a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go like to today. Okay. You are someone who has a very large following on LinkedIn. You've got over twenty thousand people who are following you. How important do you think that has been in driving your business at this point?
0: I'd say having LinkedIn followers is actually been really essential in terms of my business growth. The LinkedIn platform allows me to push out quality content every day, and I have some control over the message that I send, and I am all about delivering value to people. And we heard this yesterday in one of our talks. William Aruda said, digital first. People make a first impression about you now online right. versus in person. And so I have control over my...
1: <laughs> <laughs> sorry we're interrupted by the seagull <laughs> anyway we're making first impressions for you know making digital impressions first
0: so yeah as we heard yesterday in um, one of our sessions from William Aruda, now it's digital first people make their first impression online and then they confirm it when they meet you in person yeah. and so LinkedIn has given me the opportunity to make the impression that I want to make to attract the clients that I want to attract online on the LinkedIn platform and having 20,000 followers means that when someone likes or comments on my content it goes to a percentage of their followers and their connections so i'm continuing to get more exposure and more people who are learning about the work that i do
1: so this is going to be an obvious question yeah it's going to sound it's going to sound obvious but how important has content then been for you as far as growing your business
0: super important you know, I have the mentality, the abundance mentality. Um, I know some people are like, well, I'm only going to tell them a little bit to give them a teaser. And so then they'll want to do a call with me. And that's just not my approach. I want to share as much knowledge as I can with people. And I think that's the best teaser. There's a lot of people who message me every day who say, you know what, I got a job using the stuff that you share online. And that's great. They didn't pay me. I didn't have a relationship with them. I'm glad that my content worked for them. That's awesome. But there's some people who want a personalized service and want one-on-one um, support for me. And my content gives them a taste of what they could get if they worked with me one-on-one.
1: So, okay. So question. I know you spend time on LinkedIn. Yeah. You spend a lot of time every day on LinkedIn because you, you seem like you're there a lot. Do you spend like, like just all day on LinkedIn or do you spend a smaller amount of time?
0: So we heard yesterday that you need nine minutes to create a brand. That is true. I would say I spend significantly more than nine minutes on LinkedIn. <laughs> okay. But I'm also in growth mode. I'm I'm new in business. I haven't been doing this for a long time. And so I don't have a significant amount of referral business at this point. Okay. So I'm in growth mode. And so I am spending more time than somebody who's maybe been in business 20 years. I would say that every day I spend between 45 minutes and two hours on the platform. Okay. Engaging in content and responding to people's messages, sharing articles, writing articles, the whole gamut. But it's also my sales team. LinkedIn brings me business and I'm not paying for ads. So my time is money, but it's working.
1: Yeah. That's an interesting way to look at LinkedIn's your sales team. That's pretty interesting. So here's a, here's a a common question that I get asked when I talk about content. Clearly it's working for you. Yeah. Okay. But one of the biggest excuses. I'm going to call it an excuse because it's what it is that people come up with. I don't know where to find my content to write. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to put out. So let's, let's break that down. Let's get rid of that excuse. How do you find your content? Where do you find the content that you put out on LinkedIn so consistently?
0: Everyday life. I will be in the drive-thru At Starbucks and I'll have an interaction with someone and it will jog my memory about something and I just keep a list in my phone of ideas that I have okay and the great news is is that my topic or my expertise is pretty limited in terms of job search okay so all of my content is about job search I just spin it in different ways Mm. so um, last week I made a post about a Facebook friend of mine who got a car from her husband as a surprise That was my opening story, kind of the hook, above the fold hook. And then I go on to talk about how a friend of mine who lost their job called me to talk about losing their job and asking for advice and how after the call, I felt just really motivated to help them. So I sent out a bunch of emails to people making introductions to help them with their job search, but I didn't ask permission first. And I accidentally sent an email to her husband's ex-girlfriend. Oops. Yeah. Oops. And so the point or the moral is, should you ask, you should ask permission first before making a personal introduction, but I weaved it in by telling a personal story.
1: Smart. So, I mean, and I think I'm a believer in this. I think initially content is hard for people. It is difficult, but it's like, uh, I think you and I talked about this before. It's like exercising any muscle in your body. Yeah. The more you write, the more you think about content, the more you start to see it everywhere. And you get to a point where you can see interactions at a Starbucks window that give you content for tomorrow or the next day or the day after that. But I do have a question. You You post a lot. Do you think consistency is better than um, say intensity. And what I mean by that is some people go out and they'll do a big content push and they'll say, let's do a 30 day challenge. And they put out content really intense for 30 days and then they stop. Mm-hmm. And so what do you think is better? Intensity coming out and those kind of big pushes like that, or just being consistent?
0: Well, if you were to talk to a personal trainer about getting in shape, they would tell you it's all about consistency. You can't work out really, really hard for a day and expect to have abs. And that's the same <laughs> Wait, way- Wait, you can't? <laughs> <laughs> that's the same way with content on LinkedIn and building a following. I committed two years ago to posting every business day on LinkedIn. Oh, wow. And it was hard at first, but now I can crank out a post in about 10 minutes. Hmm. And it just, it becomes second nature. It becomes easier when you make that commitment. I'll say now, I only post about 20 times a month. And there's um, some, some new data out that says that less is more in some ways. That's people who were posting three or four times a day weren't getting the same engagement as people who post one quality, well done post once a day. Yeah. And so I typically post Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and then either Wednesday or Friday.
1: That kind of makes sense. I mean, you get like a saturation point with, with certain things. If you're posting all the time and people are always seeing you, it's, you know, I think at some point, you, you know, it's like the person who cried wolf, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. And people just stop paying attention. Yeah. What I want to ask next is speaking of paying attention. LinkedIn obviously pays attention to the people who are posting content on their site. And so they do that attention through an algorithm. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious of your thoughts about the LinkedIn algorithm and, you know, how can you help, you know, what can you tell people about posting when it comes to the algorithm? Should you try to post stuff for the algorithm? Are there ways, different ways or days that you should be posting to help yourself with the algorithm?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I'll say this. First of all, the algorithm changes constantly. And if I knew all the secrets to the algorithm, I would be really rich right now. (laughs) But you know, for me, I think because LinkedIn is a lead generator for me, I follow the trends and I really try to track how the algorithm is working and and how the, how changes are affecting content. Um, For me, I have found that posting at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is the best time of day for my content. Many of my viewers are East Coast and they check LinkedIn first when they get to work. And so having that, early morning post does really well in terms of engagement because we know that early engagement really helps a post perform well. As far as other LinkedIn hacks and tricks, there's people that I follow who study the algorithm more than I do. I'd say Andy Foot is excellent. He's based in Chicago. String, she is the queen of video and she posts a lot of great tips on video and how to do really quality video. Neil Patel has a lot of great insights as well. There's more. I hate to leave people out, but those are some of the ones that I like to follow.
1: Well speaking of video, so if I which which do you see performing better on LinkedIn? If I post my take my video and I put it on YouTube and then put a link in you in LinkedIn, you know, to kind of draw people from there to the YouTube site, or if I just upload it naturally to LinkedIn, which one, is there a difference in the way LinkedIn looks at them?
0: Yeah, they strongly prefer native content. So LinkedIn is a jealous lover. They want people to spend all of their time on the platform. And so when you post a YouTube link, you're directing people off the platform and your posts aren't going to perform as well. So they want you to upgrade upload your post or your uh, video directly to the site. Now I'm sure you've heard about LinkedIn Live that's being rolled out right now, but native content is best. And as far as posting articles and links, I always suggest posting the link to the article in your comment section and not posting it directly in your your post. Otherwise, um, the algorithm will ding you.
1: Okay. Now, obviously, we're talking a lot about LinkedIn, and it's um, rightfully so. But are there other ways uh, socially or just um, not even socially, but just other ways that you're capturing leads outside of LinkedIn?
0: I'm learning a lot more about SEO and ranking highly in terms of my community and my city.
1: Oh, okay. So Google local search.
0: Google local search has been good for me as well. I think there's some up and coming websites. Um, I'm going to not pronounce this the right way, but I think Quora is possibly the next thing. Yeah.
1: Question and answer website. Yes. site, I should say.
0: And the thing that I really like about the platform and what's intriguing to me about it is that the content seems to stick around longer. Whereas when you make a post on LinkedIn, it usually goes away in 24 hours. It's gone.
1: They keep the thread, if I remember right. So I I have Cora mentioned in my book as well. And I think they keep the thread alive. So like you can post something today and six or seven months from now, somebody will see it and they'll provide an answer, which will basically start the whole conversation again.
0: I know, it's exciting. And, And I'm seeing that it's ranking really highly in google searches
1: i did not i didn't know that that's good to know maybe i need to get back on quora (laughs) what what other um avenues have you found that have worked for you
0: you said today that newsletters are dead
1: i said let's rephrase Right, (laughs) join my newsletter is dead as a phrase but i but newsletters and emails are still very very popular and a great way to drive business
0: so I've, I found value in my newsletter. Okay. I have. And All right. I'll give it to you. Yes. <laughs> I have a 78% view rate right now, which I'm like thinking I'm, I'm holding am uh, holding That's pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah. yeah. So it's a labor of love for me and I use it as a tool to re-engage past clients, but also pique the interest of current clients that I have or, or people who are checking me out and prospects. Um, but I try to pack as much value in there as well. I, I don't hold back on what I share.
1: What have you enjoyed the most? I'm going to switch gears on you now. What have you enjoyed the most about just career coaching since you've switched over to it full-time?
0: I love the people that I get to work with and I love the stories I get to help people tell. I think the most exciting thing for me is when I get the email from someone saying, I landed the job. I'm making X amount more money than I'm making before. This is my dream opportunity and you helped me get there. And that email never gets old.
1: That is a great feeling though. And that's what that's what I like about what I do is I love seeing that, I call it a light bulb moment where people like they just get it and you know that because they get it, things will be different for them. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just a great feeling. Who, who are typically the people that you would, would work with? Do you work with like anybody and everybody or do you mostly work with executives or people in any kind of specific industry?
0: I describe myself as a job search strategist for high achievers. So I do work with a range of people okay. from early career to senior level. Most of my clients are in the senior executive level, okay. but I like people who know where they want to go, and just need help getting there.
1: Okay, so really more it's more a mindset that well, you that you that you are looking for as opposed to just. I, I, I need a resume, for example.
0: Right, most of my clients are employed, looking for the next opportunity up.
1: Yeah, it's a lot easier to find a job when you have one, is what I yeah. hear.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> awesome. So let's talk about a little bit about the briefcase coach. What are some of the services that you provide?
0: I provide executive resume writing, interview coaching, and hidden job market job search strategy.
1: Okay, tell me about the interview coaching. What um what's that involved like? Do you just ask people questions and they answer? Is that, is it? That oh, simple, it's actually or? my
0: favorite service that I offer. Okay. First of all, it starts with some research, and people send me a whole bunch of stuff before we start. And I help them learn how to research the opportunity so that they can show up prepared, engaged, and passionate. Because speaking as a former corporate recruiter, you want to make sure that you're. Um, Demonstrating to the company that you know what they're about and that you understand their pain points. And a lot of that boils down to how much you research the opportunity. Okay. So that's one thing I work on with people. And the other thing is making a good first impression. You've heard the stat before, but 30. three percent of hiring managers make a decision about a candidate in the first five minutes of an interview so if you think about what that means that's the hey how's it going do you find our office okay right tell me about yourself and so making sure people nail that question you know and then we also work on the behavioral questions like
1: tell me a time when
0: yeah exactly (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) yeah those are fun questions aren't they so resumes Interview service. And what was the third one? I, I missed it.
0: Uh, hidden job market. Hidden
1: job market. So what is so th- a hidden job market? I mean, it's a job market, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know the stat. I think it's around 80% of jobs aren't posted. Mm. And so I help people figure out ways around applicant tracking systems. Oh, okay. So Glassdoor said 250 people apply for one job at a large company. And only three people get invited for an interview. For that one job, it's not great odds. It's not great odds, but if you can get a backdoor way, if you can meet with a hiring manager, your odds go up significantly.
1: So you, so you know, you know that the tricks and tips on how to find those that 80% of jobs that aren't out there so you can help get your clients focused in on some of those.
0: So, yeah, and I think the, the benefit to working with me is that I've moved around a lot. I've, my husband has a job which has made us move about every three to four years, and so I've had to actually conduct job searches in completely cold markets okay. where I didn't know a soul and use the tips and tricks that I work with clients on.
1: I think everybody should go check you out and definitely follow you on LinkedIn. Thank you. Grow that subscriber base. But even more than that, I mean, you provide such great content and information for people who need to find a job or are looking for, even if you're not looking for a job, you should go check out the content that Sarah's putting out because it's great. Thank you. And it's it's valuable more than anything else. It's just valuable. And even if you're not looking today, you might be in a month or two. And so you're worth following for that reason only. For the people who want to learn more about you, what are some of the best ways for them to get in touch with you?
0: LinkedIn is great. My website, www.briefcasecoach.com is also a great way as well.
1: Okay. Are you active on any of the other social media platforms that we should know about?
0: I post regularly on Twitter and I have a Facebook account as well.
1: Okay, perfect. Any final thoughts? Tips, words of wisdom, anything you'd like to pass on to anybody who might be listening today?
0: Um, No, this has been awesome. And I loved your talk today, too. It really change the way I think about working with people. You have a gift for bringing out people's stories.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's humbling to hear. (laughs) (laughs) But also thank you very much for being a guest on the show today. I hope everybody goes to your website, goes check you out on LinkedIn. And I just think that they should do that because you offer such great value at really a really low, low price. (laughs) (laughs) anyway but thank you very much for being a guest i appreciate you
0: hey thanks so much ryan
1: there's no doubt about it starting a business is hard but actually making it work is something entirely different it requires dedication perseverance consistency and especially at the beginning building your brand awareness In my book, Career Cred, one of the phases all brands must go through to raise their brand awareness, credibility, and trust is the create step. And as you can probably guess, the create step is all about creating content, which Sarah clearly has down to an art form. But more importantly, she's dedicated to it. She knows how content creation can not only help you build a large following, but how it can help you build your business as well. Many of the listeners to the podcast have reached out to me to let me know they want to start a side business, a side gig, or they want to go freelance full-time, and they almost always ask about the importance of creating content. Hopefully, after listening to my chat with Sarah, you now understand the role content plays in building both your brand and your business. Thank you, Sarah, for being a guest on the show today. It was great to finally meet you in person, and thank you for sharing your knowledge and expertise with us today. And as per usual, thanks to you for listening in today. I know the podcast has been on a hiatus for a while, but I'll be back on a regular schedule by the end of April as I already have some guests lined up. And frankly, Sarah has inspired me to get my content groove back on. So until next time, I've been Ryan and I'm out. Today's show was edited and produced by Ryan Roger. The transition music is Travel to Argentina by Audio Skill 888 and In the intro and outro music, as always, is Pulse by Sounding. Music licenses were purchased via Pound 5 and audio.